0: okay well good morning to all of you good morning good morning um please pray with me one more time here and then we will continue well lord thank you for an opportunity to be gathered right now this is a unique moment in history uh this peculiar particular time this particular people right here right now and i just want to ask for your help lord um We're going to read your word together, and and I'm going to share a message uh, around that word. And at the end of the day here, we just want to hear from you. We want to have ears to hear what you might have for us today and be stirred up to a, a good response. And I trust you will help us in that now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, Well, I am glad that we're here together. Um, If you happen not to know it, maybe you're a guest with us today. My name is Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here with the church. And uh, I'm not up here preaching every Sunday, but I get the chance to do so about every four to six weeks or so. So um, I'm happy. Here I am today again, and I'm happy to be here with you. Um, And as I've had the chance to be preaching lately, I've started us moving through a sermon series here in the book of Proverbs. And so Proverbs, this this book of the Bible that is most concerned, mostly concerned with uh, helping us to grow in wisdom, helping us in our pursuit of wisdom. So we're going to go ahead and continue on in that sermon series today. We're going to be getting into parts of chapter 3 today. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and get them open to chapter 3. We won't read immediately here, but we'll get there in a second. Uh, but we are going to look at chapter 3 today, and as we're doing that, Um, I want to focus on wisdom's rewards, the rewards of wisdom. Um, If we will be wise, if we will follow the wise path, then chapter 3 really tells us that there will be blessings that follow from that. There will be rewards that follow for that wise life. Things like health, safety, peace, longevity, and other things like that. So these are some of the rewards of wisdom. And so we're going to read through chapter, here, uh, chapter 3 here. And then I want to sort of focus in on matters that are related to these rewards. And I want to point out two main things. I'll make, you know, sub points along the way. But two main things. Number one, I just want to address the nature of these rewards. The nature of these rewards. And then number two, I want to address the guarantee of these rewards, the guarantee of these things. And so if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3. We'll read there and then we'll press into these things. Um, If you happen not to have your Bible, uh, that's okay. The words will be on the screen behind me here. So Proverbs chapter 3. By the way, uh, the very first words out of the gate here, verse 1, my son. So this is a father figure speaking to his son, but, but for us today, hear this as God Himself. This is God our Father speaking to us as His people. If we are His people in Christ, then this is God our Father speaking to us, and He sort of speaks on the lips of this father figure in Proverbs. So, Proverbs chapter three. Here we go. All the whole chapter. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the Earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul, an adornment for your neck. And then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those who, to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor and, uh, who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason uh, when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Amen. Okay, again, I think... So as, we're, as you're looking through that chapter, I think you can see uh, just lot, a lot of stuff there in terms of the rewards of wisdom, the blessings of wisdom. You just see it all throughout the chapter here. All sorts of things uh, like length of days, peace, um, uh, favor and good success, healing and refreshment, barns filled and vats bursting with wine, The imagery here is just great. I mean, riches and honor, pleasantness and peace, security, sweet sleep, on and on. All over the place here, you see these rewards. You see these blessings that issue from uh, wisdom. They come from the wise life. These are the rewards of wise living. Wisdom gets you good things, and folly gets you bad things. So... I want to look at that a bit here, but before I say more about that, let me just remind us of what we're even talking about when we're considering this idea of wisdom. I mean, what is wisdom? What are we even talking about in light of the book of Proverbs? If rewards or these blessings come from wisdom, well then, what is wisdom? And uh, so just a little bit of a review here um, from past sermons. I've mentioned uh, before that I think a pretty good basic definition of wisdom is just that it is the skill in godly living. Not just the skill in living, but the skill in godly living. Um, Dave Harvey says this. He says that wisdom in the Bible isn't some mystical knowledge or simple street savvy. It is the life and the decisions of someone who is rightly related to God and it's implying what we know to be true. Um, or Graham Goldsworthy says this. He says that wisdom is not primarily a function of how clever we are, uh, nor of how much information we've got crammed into our heads. Rather, it is a moral choice to be independent of God or to be subject to him in our thinking as well as our, our doing. So that moral choice to be subject to God and the life rightly related to God. I think I think Harvey and Goldsworthy here, these two quotes that I just gave, I think they, I think that's a good way to say it. I think it lays out well um, uh, what is the concept of biblical wisdom here. I think Proverbs three here bears that out in, in, in what we saw. I think that that kind concept of wisdom is sort of, sort of emerges out of uh, this chapter, um, especially if you sort of take that first half of, of the book, maybe the first twelve verses. Um, and so we see this picture emerge of the, the, that the wise person hears from God through his teachings and his commands, and we have that primarily in the Bible. The wise person hears from God, and then knowing that God is one who is steadfast, loving, and he is faithful, the wise person, knowing that, obeys God, and he follows God, he follows his ways. Um, God's will and God's ways become the primary influence in the wise person's life again he is uh, it's this the wise person is one who is his life and his decisions um, are rightly related to god and the, the way that we get rightly related to god ultimately is through jesus I mean, really, we know this from from the the whole testimony of Scripture taken together, really, in light of the New Testament, the fullest expression of God's steadfast love, the fullest expression of His teaching and His commands, they are in the life and the ministry of Jesus. So really, to keep God's commands and His teachings, like we have in verse 1 there, and to trust in God with all of our heart, like from verse 5, ultimately, that means to trust in Jesus with all of our heart and to obey his commands that's that's where proverbs 3 sort of points us in light of uh, what we have in the new testament remember you uh remember those um uh those very popular bracelets in the uh, evangelical world several years back the wwjd bracelets what would jesus do you know that's really not a bad way to sum up wisdom i mean wisdom wants to answer that question. What would Jesus do? And and wisdom seeks to then follow the path, knowing, uh, knowing what we think Jesus might do. And we want to follow that path, knowing that Jesus is there to save us from our folly when we fail. And Jesus is there to give us a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to help us to get back up and keep going, pursuing the life of wisdom. Um, so when we're considering wisdom, just that's kind of the thing that we should have in mind. And ultimately, wisdom, what does the wise life look like? It looks like Jesus. That's what it looks like. Okay, so if that's what wisdom is, um, Proverbs 3 says that if we are wise, then we're going to be rewarded. We're going to be blessed if we are wise. And actually, right away in verses 1 to 2, you kind of see sort of a... A template of a very common pattern in Proverbs. You see it here, you see it throughout the chapter, you really see it throughout Proverbs. Namely, it's that we hear God's teaching and if we keep it and if we obey it, in other words, if we're wise, then we will be blessed. That pattern is repeated throughout this chapter. And uh, so be wise and you'll be blessed. You'll you'll have health, you'll have peace, you'll have security, uh, and on and on. Okay, so I want to say some things about that. Um, number one, first of all, I just want us to, to understand the, the nature of these rewards. I mean, understand what's really being said here. Um, in other words, um, I want to help us just to be careful here about what we might think is being promised to us uh, with these rewards. So this is a, it's an interpretation issue, this, uh, this is a matter of, 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 uh, of hermeneutics, this is a matter of... Rules for biblical interpretation, uh, and so when 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 we're trying to understand the Bible, it's important to understand what is the sort of the literary genre of the thing that we're looking at. And uh, in the case of Proverbs, we don't want to read Proverbs given what it is um, in the same way that we would read you know a newspaper article, or in the same way that we would read a history book, or or a science book, or something like that. So Proverbs doesn't really intend to lay out any absolute sort of uh, uh, laws of cause and effect. Uh, it's just not the intention of Proverbs. It's not what the writer has in mind. Um, it doesn't have in mind sort of this wanting to give this foolproof formula of, of uh, sort of s- uh, successful living, formula for success, successful, successful living, excuse me. But instead, just the nature of wisdom sayings is that Proverbs is trying to communicate something that's generally true all things being equal. In fact, you know, God, God created the world in wisdom. We, uh, we, we, uh, we have that in this chapter in verses 19 to 20. So he created the world from wisdom. So there is an order to, th- to things. There's a way things are supposed to work and fit together. And so generally speaking, the more we comply our lives, the more our lives comply to that order, that way that God designed things, generally speaking, better uh, things will go better for us. Uh, in the main. And so, just understand that the, the rewards here that are mentioned all throughout chapter 3, um, appealing as they are, um, they're, they're, they're generalizations. Um, they are what we can expect to be generally true. And, and we can have reason to expect that this, this will generally be true for the person who chooses the wise path. If a person is genuinely committed to trusting in God and trusting in his teaching... Um, complying with God's will and his ways, in that case, all things being equal, really good things are going to follow. Uh, Tremper Longman says this about that. Uh, He says that the book of Proverbs teaches again and again, wisdom, while not fail-safe, is the most certain route to legitimate and long-lasting material gain. In the same way, wisdom is the road to a long and peaceful life. Living by principles of wisdom minimizes obstacles and threats to life. Again, this is not a guarantee, but it is generally true. I appreciate that line. Living by the principles of wisdom minimizes obstacles and threats to life. Not, not, not guaranteed, but generally true. And this can feel a little weird. This can feel a little bit goofy for those of us who really trust the Bible and we really love it and we want to just... just just eat it up for, like, all the promises that God has for us in Scripture, and we really trust the truthfulness of Scripture. So it can feel a little weird because we see these apparent promises in Proverbs that, hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, then this is going to be the result. But we know that, man, it just doesn't work that way. We know from our experience that it just doesn't always work out that way, so it can feel a little weird, it can feel a little uncomfortable, Um, because we know God's Word is true, but what is going on here? And, and some of that discomfort will, uh, will go away when we understand, again, sort of the nature of these promises, the nature of Proverbs, understand that God does not intend that Proverbs are to be taken as these sort of foolproof promises, um, that if we do this and then we do that, then this is going to be always and every time the, the result. It's just simply not intended to be interpreted that way. So we need to be faithful to that. And really, right here in chapter 3... We've got a hint that, in fact, life doesn't always work out the way we want it to. Life does not always work out according to what we might expect, given all the mention here of a really rewarded life. Um, Having done our very best to choose wisely, still hardship, still suffering, still affliction, not healthy, not at peace, not feeling long life feeling a pinch in the bank account, not sleeping sweetly, not feeling very safe or secure, afraid, all of these things for various reasons. And I know in this church family that that some of us are feeling this stuff acutely. I know that. So these kinds of hardships, they would seem to be the exact opposite uh, for someone who's really sincerely trying to live a wise life. And yet, we have like the exact opposite of what seems to be promised here in Proverbs 3. Uh, Tim Keller says this. He says, Sometimes, even if you've done due diligence, your choices may still go wrong because it is a broken world. There is an order that God put into things when he created the world and by which we must abide. But on the other hand, this is a fallen world. Excuse me, it's distorted by sin. And the wise know that the created order does not always work, nor is it always easy to discern. And so, I would say that for those of us that are in the throes of, or if this is you, if you're in the throes of a hardship right now, um, as you have experienced hardship, as you will experience hardship, uh, boy, both, there's impact of our own hearts distorted by sin, there's impact of a world around us that's distorted by sin, And for that, we have verses 11 and 12. I think these are precious verses in the midst of hardship. Verses 11 and 12. Look at those verses again. Verses 11 and 12, it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And and just understand there. The discipline there, the reproof there. That's a positive thing. It has a positive connotation there. It's, it's corrective training with the purpose to build you up. It's corrective training to make you more mature. Just like we would do that as, as parents, we, we, put, uh, we, we, we work with our kids to grow them up, to mature them. This is a corrective training. It's a positive connotation. But then uh, notice especially verse 12 again. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. So if you are a child of God today through faith in Jesus, that's how we become a child of God, is trusting in Jesus for that, then in your hardship, please hear this, God loves you. God delights in you. And let that sink in, that word delight. You know, I think oftentimes we hear that God loves you And it just sort of falls flat. It doesn't seem to really stir much up in us. Because I think maybe we hear that a lot. We do hear that a lot. I hope we hear that a lot in this church. We hear that a lot. Um, Or maybe we think, you know, that's just God's job. He's God. He's love. He's supposed to do that. That's his job. That's what he does. So it can maybe fall a little flat. So feel the sweetness of that other word there, delights. God delights in you. God loves you. Yes, he loves you as you're wrapped up in the the life of Jesus, but God is not loving you in some begrudging way. He's not loving you because he has to love you, like it's my job to love you, so I'll love you. That's not his attitude. He's happy to love you. He wants to love you. He delights in you. He's happy with you. He celebrates because of you. God delights in you. Uh, so thinking about that, thinking of that, that that God delights in us, he loves us. Um, Ray Ortland he says this, um, especially thinking about Uh, the hardships of life. He says that the bad times and the hard times seem to double up when, not if, that happens, honesty forces us to face the only two possibilities about God. Either God loves us passionately or God hates our guts. It's one or the other. If you are in Christ, however, you are and you are suffering, then God does not hate you. If he did, he wouldn't even bother with you he wouldn't even bother with you. Just like I wouldn't bother with my kids if I didn't love my kids. I wouldn't even bother. Why would I go through the trouble of helping them to walk a good path if I didn't love my kids? It's hard to help my kids do that. So I think Ortland is right. I think when we suffer for any reason, we come to a crossroads of faith. We sort of come to this like pregnant theological moment. Is God good? Or not? He either is or he isn't. God is good. He loves us. He delights in us. Or he doesn't. It's one or the other. And the fact is that, man, if you are in Christ, this is the great news, that if you're in Christ, then God does not hate you. In fact, he delights in you. He respects you. He's happy with you. He loves you. And that is why he will use hardships not to tear you down, Not to beat you up, but actually to build you up, to make you stronger, to help us to become the very best version of us that we can become. Which ultimately, the very best version of us that we can become is that we look like Jesus. Jesus is the very best version of us that we can be. And God wants to work that in us. I remember a time that I was in college um, several years ago now, and uh, I was facing a good bit of difficulty. i'm 44 years old now so it looking back it, it sort of uh, seems a, it doesn't seem like quite as big of a deal but man at the time it crushed me and uh so basically i was having some relational troubles uh relational troubles with a gal i was interested in her romantically and uh when i found out that she was not interested in me in the same way i was interested in in her man it slammed me i mean it slammed me and uh and really, I think it wasn't just her in that time. It was just that she was. this experience with her was just sort of the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back. But really, because there was just sort of this season in life. And this was like the last hit of a pileup of just relational struggles that I was having. And it just crushed me. And I remember just basically crying out to God. I'm just like, why? I don't get this. I mean, why again is this not working out the way that I, that I don't want it to? Why why? Why, Lord, is this not working out the way that I want it to? And man, I remember, and this is, this is, this is a deeply significant moment in my faith story here. Um, I was at, I was, I remember I was in my dorm room. Um, in fact, we have a picture of this. Uh, I, I had the chance in, um, over sabbatical to, uh, go through my college last summer and bring the kids around and show the kids my different dorm rooms. But inside this room right there, 508E, um, uh, I remember just pleading with God. Uh, I wasn't as happy as I look in that picture, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I just felt, but in that moment, I just felt prompted. I, I felt uh, prompted to think of Joshua 19. Joshua 1.9. Joshua 19 says this. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever uh, you go. And I thought of that verse, and I just had this impression, this overwhelming impression that the Lord was saying to me in that moment, you do not need to know why. You just need to know that I have your best interests in mind. You don't need to know why. You just need to know that I have your best interests uh, in mind. And man, honestly, I have never been the same since. There is no exaggeration. That moment changed my life. And I've never been the same since. My relationship with God has never been the same since then. It did change my relationship with God. Uh, no exaggeration. I didn't need to know why. I don't need to know why today. Why the hardship? Though I asked the question, I'm confident or I'm comforted by. By this response that from the Lord that I don't need to know why. Whatever it is, I just know that God has my best interests in mind. In other words, he loves me. In other words, he delights in me. Always, no matter what's happening, God loves me. He delights in me. In other words, he has my very best interests in mind. And, and, and you know what that is? That, that confidence in God's love. You know what that is? Really, I think that it is ultimately what leads, that confidence in God's love leads to things in Proverbs 3 uh, that are mentioned like refreshment to the bones in verse 18 or pleasantness and peace in verse 17. And it mentions life for your soul in verse 22. Uh, Verse 18 says that wisdom is a tree of life. So these are some of the blessings or some of the rewards that really seem to more, be more related to our inner self, our inner being. They impact our deepest inner being, our emotional, mental, spiritual well-being. And so Proverbs 3 mentions a lot about sort of outward material blessing and gain and reward. But I think it's these inner self rewards that are more significant, I think. I think they're really presented as the best of the best of the rewards. Um, And I think you see that, or you get a hint of that in verses 14 to 15. If you look there again, verses 14 to 15. For the gain from her, from wisdom, is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. And so with all the, the material things that we might Uh, uh, think about, um, there's something greater to be gained than that. There's something more precious than all that is represented with the gold, the silver, the jewels. I think that basically is representing the outward sort of material reward and blessing. And and what is that thing? What what is of greater gain? And I think that it's this inner self well-being. It's that inner self, peace, that pleasantness, that that, that life for your soul, and I think we we get that, especially as our confidence in God's love for us grows, as our confidence in God's delight in us grows. Remember that part of being wise is to know who God is. God is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. I think that's that's part of what it means in verse 3, where it mentions steadfast love and faithfulness. The writer wants to tip us off to remind us that this is what God is like— And actually, his teachings and his commands are an expression of his steadfast love and faithfulness. That's who God is. Again, his his teachings and his commands are really actually an expression of, they're like a manifestation of his steadfast love and faithfulness. And we become ever more confident, or, or as we become ever more confident that this is who God is, that God is a God of steadfast love, that God is a God who delights in us and loves us, then those inner self-rewards kind of begin to stack up the more we grab hold of that. And I think by God's grace, in his mercy, for whatever reason, in the timing, I think that's what happened to me back in college, not to, to perfection, but it was a changed relationship with the Lord. This, this grace and his mercy helped me in that moment to really believe that no matter what, God delights in his people. God loves his people, and I am one of those people in Christ. Um, so even if I'm completely void of any material blessings that are all over Proverbs 3, um, I can simply know that God loves me. I don't have to know why. I'm, de- I'm void of these material things, but I can know that God delights in me. He has my best interests in mind. And again, I think that's the kind of inner peace and pleasantness and the refreshment. That's really considered in Proverbs three here as, as the gain, the profit that is more than um, everything that gold and silver and jewels could represent there. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul actually in Second Corinthians four, Second Corinthians four, verse sixteen. Um, he says, We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So, so, even if our outer self is wasting away, even if we might not experience the material health or material safety or peace, whatever that might look like, even so, we have reason not to lose heart because ultimately, our inner self is being renewed day by day, or at least it can be it can be our inner self can be renewed day by day as we trust more and more in the love of God, as we trust more and more in his love specifically expressed in Jesus, as we acknowledge Jesus in all of our ways, as we turn away from evil to acknowledge Jesus in all of our ways. Um, Paul goes on in that, that same passage, Second uh, Corinthians 4, verse 17, He says our, our, outer, our, our inner self is being renewed day by day, and he says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so, in, in all the in all the ways that we might not feel or experience the sort of what Proverbs three seems to offer, one who's sincerely walking a wise path, I think God uses that dis, that difficulty as diff, diff, uh, I'm sorry as discipline. He, in the ways that we don't experience these these seemingly available rewards, God uses that difficulty as discipline. So it's through our hardships. I truly believe that God is preparing a future through our hardships that, that would be more glorious than it would otherwise be if we did not have hardship. So I think verses 11 to 12, um, I think actually the fact that we see these verses in the chapter, um, it's, again, it's a reminder, it's a good reminder that we do need to be careful about how we uh, interpret these promises or what we can expect to experience in terms of the rewards that are so prominent here, I think, in chapter three. Um, so they're not always foolproof guarantees. They're not foolproof promises. No, they're intended, however, to show us that yes, generally it will be true. That generally speaking, walking in wisdom, generally all things being equal, uh, will will mean good for us. Things will turn out well for excuse me for us. So understand the nature of these rewards. Often true, but not always. However, a second thing that uh, I want to mention here about these rewards, so this is sort of the second main point, it's that these rewards actually, ultimately, are guaranteed. They are actually guaranteed. Now, yes, in this life, here and now, no, I wouldn't expect always and forever or always in every circumstance if we walk the wise path you will receive these kinds of things but if we're talking future if we're talking eternity that's a different story that's a different story altogether and and really i think rich rewards like this in chapter three they they kind of give us a snapshot actually of what is to come they give us sort of a foretaste of what paul called an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison these rewards, I think, ultimately point us to new creation, which Jesus is going to establish when he comes back, so Jesus lived this perfectly wise life, he was killed in our place for our sins, he was raised up from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and he 's coming back someday to establish new creation and if we 're trusting in Jesus for it, then we get to be a part of that 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 we get to be a part of that future and then all of the rewards that are mentioned here in Proverbs 3, I think that that's what God basically promises to us ultimately in new creation as we're living there directly with Jesus, intimately with Jesus, and with others of his people. Um, really, it's essentially a return to Eden, the Garden of Eden. Probably would, would have looked a lot like this before the fall. We were built for these rewards. We were built for Eden, and Eden Even something better than Eden is promised. We will get these things. We will get Eden again in new creation. A better Eden. Um, There's going to be length of days and there's going to be peace and favor and good success. Straight paths, healing, refreshment. Barns filled with plenty. Vats bursting with wine. Happiness, honor, pleasantness. Peaceful paths, full life for our souls. Oh, man, amen, indeed. And I think of verses 27 to 31. Those speak to the impact. Again, 27 to 31. Those sort of speak to the impact of wisdom on community. And, man, community in the new creation will be perfect, complete security, no fear, everybody helping one another. Really, verse 35 sums it up. Verse 35 sums this up pretty well. The wise will inherit honor, but fools Get disgrace. That's new creation. We will inherit all the rewards of Proverbs 3 because, in fact, Jesus was always perfectly wise. And in that wisdom, he sacrificed himself to be killed in our place to take on our sin, to take on all the foolish consequences of our sin so that if we're trusting in him for this, then Jesus took our disgrace on him. And then we get the full feast of his honor. Really, the honor that is owed to him, we get that. That's an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's the future that we get to look forward to in Christ. And so I want Proverbs 3 to sort of lighten our hearts, gladden our hearts a bit today because of the anticipation of that future. Let that glad anticipation lighten and gladden your hearts this morning if we will be wise which is to say fear god trust in god with all of your heart which is to say trust jesus if we will be wise then the rewards of proverbs 3 are our guaranteed promised eternal future now and we now we will very likely get a good taste of that stuff even here and now but we've got it guaranteed the full feast of it in new creation in our eternal future um, now that begs the question here are you trusting in Jesus like this are you trusting in God with all of your heart acknowledging in him in all of your ways um, actually Ray Ortland offers a sort of a, a, a I think a helpful diagnostic that I want to uh, that I want to grab from him here he uh, sort of a diagnostic test he, he asks a few questions and so, just sort of coming to a close here, just consider this. Ask yourselves these questions, and uh, this just to get a sense of uh, your trust in God. Am I trusting God with all of my heart? So, number one, Ortland says: First, do you let the Bible overrule your own thinking? It says in verse five, "Do not lean on your own understanding." So, do you merely agree with the Bible, or do you obey the Bible? Because remember, the Bible is God's voice to us. Um, And then he he says, what do you do when the Bible contradicts what you want to be true? If you trust the Lord, you will let the Bible challenge your most cherished thoughts and feelings. The wonderful thing is the Lord cares about your questions and your problems. He wants to speak into your life in ways that will be helpful to you. If you will trust him wholeheartedly, then you will let him teach you. And, And that's what wisdom does. Wisdom lets God Teach us. Wisdom gives God's teaching the the prime influence in our lives. Uh, Then number two, another set of questions here. Ortland says this, he says, Second, do you believe someone somewhere without Jesus will still go to heaven? Do people really need Jesus to have peace with God, or is it okay with God if they're just sincere, well-meaning people? If you trust the Lord entirely, you will also trust him uh, Exclusively as your only Savior, as anyone else's only Savior. And that's what wisdom does. The wise person understands that the very height of wisdom is God's plan to, for Jesus to be the only Savior of everybody who will trust in him. Jesus, it's God's plan that Jesus is the only one through whom we can be rightly related to God. That's the height of wisdom. And wisdom, the wise man knows that. Uh, number three, Ortland says this. He says, Third, when was the last time you took a risk to obey Christ? When was the last time you diminished your future socially, financially, professionally for his sake? If you trust in the Lord entirely, you will also trust him exhaustively. So across the whole of life, you will not be a fragmented person. And that is what wisdom does. The wise person acknowledges God in all of his ways. He's not fragmented, but he allows God to, to bear the greatest impact, the greatest influence on um, every situation and every decision that we have. So I just commend those questions to you. Consider those things. They're not a foolproof test uh, for whether or not you are trusting in Jesus with all of your heart. That is to say that you're being wise. Um, They're not a foolproof test, but I do think they give us a a good challenge. They kind of challenge our priorities. Um, And really, that's, that's what the book of Proverbs wants to do. Wants to challenge us in those ways. Again, Proverbs is concerned with helping people live a wise life. Not strictly because we, it, we have to, but because it's helpful for us. Um, God, is our, God has our best interests in mind. He, he loves us. He delights in us. And so he calls us to this wise life because he knows that's going to be the best thing for us. There's rewards that will follow that. And even if we can't be guaranteed, the full experience of those rewards here and now God does offer peace in Christ to bear on our hardships. He offers that now and he does guarantee that in the new creation for sure, we will all have a we will have a great we we will have a gain that is far greater than we could just fully imagine right now. And we can get a taste of that a bit in in the blessings that we see, the rewards that we see in Proverbs 3. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word, and I, I want to ask again that you give us ears to hear. So everything that has been read out loud that is your word directly, the ways that I've chosen to uh, to uh, treat it, whatever uh, is good, whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is beautiful, whatever would help us to, in fact, be wise people, I pray that you would help us to cling on to that. And anything that was uh, thought about during these minutes, anything that was said that would not help us with that, just let it fall off, water off a duck's back. But we want to cling to um, what you know to be best for us as we cling to you, as we know you're clinging to us. And so help us with that, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.